Welcome to Under Construction. I'm your host, Marilyn Strickland, CEO of the Seattle Metro Chamber. In each episode, we take you behind the scenes with the people and companies shaping our evolving region. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And if you like what you hear, please rate us and subscribe. And a special thank you to our sponsor, Alaska Airlines. Today's guest is Shanta Hyde, Managing Director of Community Relations with Alaska Airlines, our podcast sponsor. Welcome to the show, Shanta. Thank you, Marilyn. Glad to be here. So, Shanta, tell us about what you do as Managing Director of Community Relations for Alaska Air, and please introduce our listeners to Alaska Air as a company. Well, um, so Alaska Airlines and I would say our regional partners, Horizon Airlines and SkyWest, we fly 46 million guests a year to more than 115 destinations around the world. Well, the U.S., U.S., Mexico, uh, Canada, Costa Rica. We have about 1,200 flights a day. And, um, you know, that's Alaska. That's our airline. Um, we're really proud that we were ranked um, the highest in customer satisfaction yep. through JD Power, but we have 23,000 employees. And um, five years ago, this July is when I started with Alaska Airlines, and it's been an amazing journey. And I feel very, very lucky every single day. I still wake up excited and pinching myself that I get to go work for this great airline. So my job um, as managing director of community relations, and I would also include investments, okay. is so I oversee our team, our 501c3. So that's our nonprofit engagements. Investments would be things like chambers of commerce, economic development councils, et cetera. I also help to oversee our employee programs. So that's our company gift match, and that's our employee volunteer fund, our dollars for doers, where we pay our employees to volunteer in the community should they choose to do that. And it, the fund's always out every year. And then I also help oversee our executives who sit on boards. And um, I also oversee our customer-facing philanthropic portal, which is our Charity Miles program, Alaska Lift Miles, where we have 10 Charity Miles partners where we... Um, where our customers are able to donate miles and um, give back that way. So, so, so it's a lot, many different levers um, that I get the opportunity to help steward on behalf of the company, but a lot of fun. And when you and I first sat down to do this podcast today, you told me that you have been on the road traveling a lot. So <laughs> your work is not just confined to Seattle. You do travel for this as well. That's correct. My responsibility is the lower 48. So I do spend um, some time on the road, and this month's been a little bit different, a little bit more of a special month because we launched a new um, program where we were able to take a lot of our um, sustainability programs and community relations programs, and we finally, after five years, were able to put them underneath a, um external brand called Alaska Lift. So it's a very exciting time. Well, that's really cool. I know that many of us here who are based in the metropolitan Seattle region fly Alaska often when we do fly domestically. So you're a lifelong resident of Washington State. Why don't you tell us or share with us three things, people, places, products in our home state that you basically cannot live without? Three things I cannot live without is Walla Walla Wines. Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite wine? I, I actually went wine tasting last weekend in Walla Walla. What a coincidence. And uh, <laughs> right now I'm, I'm pretty high on uh, Drew Bledsoe's new winery called Doubleback. Oh, interesting. 
And um, it's it's fantastic wine, and I was very impressed and had a lot of fun. And for our listeners who don't know, Drew Bledsoe attended Washington State University, and he played quarterback there. And little unknown, little known fact about him is he grew up next to um, his little friend in school that I learned um, touring his um, place is that he grew up with the son of Leonetti. And they harvest his wine. And when he was in the NFL, he would double back to Washington and buy wine for the team the entire time. Great Northwest story. So what are what are the two things that, that are Washington State-based that you just can't live without? I, I think I can't live without our ferry system. I love our water. I love the views. I love jumping on ferries and going to different places and just experiencing the Pacific Northwest. And then I'll be honest, I, I don't mean to sound like an ad, but I cannot live without Starbucks coffee. I love it, and um, I'm a longtime fan. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people around the world. <laughs> so one of the things I like to do, Shanta, on this show is really um, go back to people's origin stories. And so you have been in this community for a long time, but you grew up in Kirkland. So mm-hmm. tell me a bit about your childhood in Kirkland. Kirkland was a lot different when you grew up than it is today. And so talk mm-hmm. about things you remember about your childhood and any struggles you had, and then what did you learn from that? So... Um, so this is good because I don't I don't necessarily talk too much about my origin story, but um, so yes, I I'm from a family of five, okay, and um, I'm the youngest, me and my twin brother. Oh, I didn't know you had a twin. Yep, I do. Mm-hmm. Identical twins or fraternal? Uh, fraternal? Okay. And um, little known thing about me that I don't like to share is that I really didn't want to be a girl. I was a um, I was a tomboy, and I loved being a boy. I didn't really realize I was a girl till I was about maybe 12, 13. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was really um, me and my twin. And um, that was the thing that I remember most that I loved about my childhood. We would catch snakes, we'd make pits, and we would hold the snakes, and we'd bring the snakes inside the house when it started to rain. You know, um, we would torture our three older sisters. We had our own language. We would torture the dogs. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it was just kind of, my mother said every day she would wake up and just wonder, what were the twins doing? What were the twins doing? (laughs) Well, no, and I, you know, you often hear stories about twins because there's something intuitive about twins. Yeah. There's almost a sixth sense you have. Would you say that that's true with you and your brother? Um, it has been throughout the years. Yeah, there's been times where, um, for example, when we both um, were in different areas and we needed to get glasses. Mm-hmm. And so my mother's like, here's the insurance card. Go figure it out. Go right. get glasses. And, uh, you know, we came home for the holidays and we picked the exact same frames but different colors. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> So um, you and your family now live in Edmonds, and what made you choose that particular neighborhood? And I say this because when we think about our podcast under construction, we're talking about the entire metropolitan region. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, it's Seattle-centric, but there are many communities outside of Seattle's borders. So Mm -hmm. talk about why your family chose Edmonds and what you like about it. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, Edmonds has only been uh, a couple of years for us. We spent most of our time in Lake Forest Park, Okay, and um, we basically settled in Lake Forest Park because of the time when my husband and I got married, and I've been married now for 22 um, blessed years. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, When it came time to look for a house, it was really, um, Seattle was experiencing a lot of the dot-com boom. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard to find a house that was affordable in the city. At the time, we lived in Ballard. And the thing that we loved about Ballard was just being able to have a walkable community. Mm -hmm. Leave our apartment, go somewhere, have dinner, you know, have drinks, get some entertainment, Stagger back home because the we true urban experience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, um, moving out to Lake Forest Park, really having a, a great community. It was close to close to family and um, raising our kids. But as we started um, to kind of figure out what was our next steps, mm-hmm. you know, were we happy in Lake Forest Park? I really still 
me, really was kind of driven by me that I really still wanted to be in that walkable community right. and be in a place that, um, you know, with traffic and everything that I could just de-stress and wouldn't have to drive a car to do every single thing that we wanted to do. Right. And we really just stumbled upon Edmonds. It was it was kind of a fluke even getting the home, but we feel so lucky that we have it. And um, it's a great community. That's great. So one thing I want to talk about is your um, career before you started Alaska Airlines. Mm-hmm. And so you actually worked with the Boeing company for 13 years. Mm-hmm. And you did a lot of work in government relations. And you were director of global aviation policy. So tell us about what you did at Boeing. So, you know, it was great. The... Um I started off at the company, and I was their um, manager of government relations. So, you know, the company is 103 years old today, right. and I think I'm one of very few female African-American lobbyists. And it, for me, it was just an amazing opportunity to be able to work for, for the Boeing company and do that role. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, They came to me at a time when, again, uh, transitions. And I think just kind of going back a little bit earlier to something that you referenced about um, struggles and overcoming struggles, yep. you know, uh, just quickly just touching on growing up in Kirkland, you know, um, the, the thing that I was I remembered most about growing up in Kirkland um, that my parents in- intentionally made that decision to move us there because my mother wanted us to have a really good education. She wanted us to have a different upbringing than what she had. Right. And um, but what that also gave us that opportunity. But it also came with a lot of um, there was sometimes discrimination. Sometimes mm-hmm. there was isolation. Yep. But, you know, I have very good friends and very warm memories. But the things that I grew up um, out of that experience was perseverance, grit and patience. And I think being a lobbyist and starting to work for the Boeing company, those were really three strong skill sets that I brought to that role. And so um, at my time during Boeing, during those eight years, the company saw many different cycles. Mm -hmm. And um, I did both government and community. It was very structured um, differently back in the day when I was doing it. So I was both their um, liaison with members of Congress and mayors in their home districts, but I was also their community relations person, meeting with different organizations and partnering with chambers of commerce, et cetera, and so forth. Yeah. I mean, you actually had a pretty long career at Boeing. You Mm -hmm. were manager of government relations from 2001 to 2010 and then director of global aviation policy from 2010 to 2014. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners who don't know Shanta, she actually comes from government because she actually did government relations for King County Executive Ron Sims at the time. Mm -hmm. And so definitely a nice combination of public sector and private sector experience. I would like to say that my job and my career has been nothing more than a translator. You know, when (laughs) I was in government, you know, I was working with a lot of the government entities and they would say, what's Boeing thinking? We can't figure them out. And I would translate. This is what they want. Right. And then when I came to Boeing, I was nothing more than a translator to tell them what government wanted. And, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's really about communication. (laughs) It really is. And sometimes in both government and the private sector, we are in our silos and we start to speak a language that people outside of our industry, they have no idea what we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. so the ability to communicate clearly, the ability to translate information so that people understand what's going on is, is essential. So I want to go to your education. Um, You studied at Seattle University and the University of Washington. So talk about your different experiences at those two beloved institutions. And then talk about how you think your education has been applicable to your career. Yeah. So um, Seattle University um, was amazing. I think it was... um, 
it was the small campus. Mm-hmm. It was I was a little bit nervous to go to college. Yeah. And it was being in a city, but being in a smaller campus and having that community around you that really made me select Seattle U. Yeah. And um, the thing that I got from the Jesuits was really about social justice. Um, seeing um, your world and your community larger than yourself and um, giving back. And um, no matter where you went or, yep. where, or, or what you did, um, finding little ways every single day to give back, that, that should be part of your core right. ethos as an individual and a person. And I graduated from there with a Bachelor's of Arts in Communications with a focus in journalism, Interesting. Which was fantastic. Did you ever plan to work for a TV station? I actually worked for Cairo News. Oh, you did? Um, and uh, I was, uh, my track was uh, TV. So I wanted to be a television reporter. My ultimate goal is that I really, in college, from the time that I went to college, I was a journalism major, and I wanted to change the way women and people of color were portrayed in the media. And that mm-hmm. was my whole stint, and um, went into to journalism track. And then when I started working at the news stations and I realized that you had to um, own your own network to actually make those changes, um, I had a, I had a career shift yeah, and um, started to look for other things and opportunities for myself. But how I will parcel that with the University of Washington, um, Boeing came back to me and wanted me to go back to school. And um, get my executive MBA. And I had a leader within the Boeing company, Bob Watt, who Mm -hmm. is a a, a fantastic individual who basically said, Shanta, you need to really do this. And so, um, you know, I went back and got my executive MBA when my second son was only, oh gosh, uh, four months old. Oh my gosh. And I had a five-year-old and it was an 18th month program, 23 month program. And the thing that I liked about the University of Washington, uh, that program, while the school's bigger, mm-hmm. the executive MBA program was was a lot more segmented in terms of... Um, more intimate, smaller class sizes. And thinking more about who do you want to be as a leader? Who do you want to be as an individual? How, you know, people can hate business for all they want. And I was on that pit and in that pendulum. I remember the days of working in government and saying, oh, those evil corporate people, they're mm-hmm. going to take all of our money to now I am one of those so-called evil corporate people that actually gives back um, and is the third leg of the stool in terms of community partnerships and um, and leveraging. Well, you know what's interesting? You told me that Bob Watt told you to go back and get a graduate degree and get an MBA. Um, I told a story in a previous podcast where I met Norm Rice, who didn't know me that well, and he said, you need to go back and get a graduate degree. And that's how I ended up going to get an MBA from Clark Atlanta University. So interesting how we were both encouraged by people who are mentors mm-hmm. who wanted to tell us, here's what you need to do. In six degrees, yep. Bob reported to Norm as one of his deputy mayors when Norm was mayor of Seattle. Oh, my gosh. See, there you go. <laughs> and here we are sitting together in a podcast. You're listening to Under Construction with Marilyn Strickland. A special thank you to our sponsor, Alaska Airlines. With the most flights from the West Coast of any other airline, local to global connections, award-winning customer service and travel rewards, and a commitment to community and sustainability, you'll fly smart and land happy with Alaska. So I want to go back to um, your work in aviation. And, you know, when you think about the aviation field, we don't typically think of women of color. Yeah. So talk about your experience as a woman of color working in aviation. Um, you know, wh- what do you think were some things that you were, you were able to accomplish? And talk about some of the challenges or mm-hmm. what was was it what was it like when you first got there when you get into a room and you see that most people don't look like this? Mm-hmm. You know, I, 
I, I think the working as a woman of color in aviation for me was was great because it always presented a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. because people just didn't automatically expect you to be in that space. Right. I think overall the aviation industry is very male dominated. It is. And um and it's also, you know, I can speak from my reference point of Boeing. It's very um um, engineering driven. Yep. And so again, male dominated. And so for me, I loved, I relished in that environment because people would always underestimate you. Yes. And so um, for me, that was one of the secrets of my success is, is just kind of being underestimated and always rising to the challenge and exceeding it. So to me, it was really an opportunity and um, that I loved. And um, what's an experience um, with an airplane? Is that was airplane or, or just or, yeah, what, what, or, yeah, well, yeah, what was your first experience in, in aviation, whether that was with an airplane plane, an airport, you know, oh when did you gosh. first interact? I think my my very first um, time I ever stepped on an airplane, I'll never forget it. I was in college and I was I was a communication major and I had won um, a opportunity to fly down to um, University of San Diego. Oh my gosh. And I couldn't afford to go. Right. And I knew I wasn't going to go and my father, uh, who was a resident on the floor, told some of the other fathers about it and they found a sponsor and alumni to pay for my ticket to go. Oh, that's great. And I flew on Alaska Airlines and I remember <laughs> sitting there and there was a prayer card on a tray and it was very comforting to me because I was very nervous <laughs> as this scared? little black kid that was leaving the state for the first time to right. fly somewhere. But um, yeah, I'll never forget that flight. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you talked about people not expecting much out of you. And I would say that, you know, as as an ethos for me, when I think about managing my career, I think it's important, especially those of us who are women of color, to show up in places where people don't expect to see us. Mm-hmm. Because it does so much, not just for us, but for the people who will follow us. And I think that's a really important you know, mm-hmm. ethos to live by. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk a bit about what Alaska Air is doing. We know that when it comes to climate change, that transportation has a huge impact on mm-hmm. the quality of our air and and you know and the things that we know we want to do. Can you talk a bit about what Alaska Airlines is doing to increase sustainability efforts and lower its environmental footprint? Well, you know, for us, we've been on this journey for a long time. And uh, it's really some of our initiatives that we've had started at the employee base. So, you know, we are one of the first airlines to start recycling in the United States. And it was really driven by our employees who are just amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's really, again, the secret success of Alaska. It's really our employees. So we measure and metrics. So in the past year, in 2018, we recycled more than 15,000 tons of waste from our aircraft. Mm -hmm. And in terms of... um, Cleaner air, you know, we're all about fuel efficiency. So we actually measure um, and invest in fleets like the 737 that are the youngest, that are the most fuel efficient to make sure that our impact is small. And we did another recent initiative where we're really trying to talk to our customers to make them think about how they pack, what they bring on board the flights, and how it's just meaningful in terms of bringing your own water and bring your own water bottles. I mean, it's this lifelong journey. And I was really proud um, a year ago that our company really stepped into the space of going Astralis mm-hmm. and being the first airline in the United States to say, you know, we really care about the impact in the ocean. We really care about our footprint in that area. And we're going to actually bring aboard sustainable products that are no longer, you know, um, plastic. Right. So we've been on this journey for a while. That's great. So, Shanta, you know, you've worked in aviation. You work for Alaska Airlines. Talk about some of your favorite cities in the world to visit. So my last six years, I was the director of global aviation policy for the Boeing company. And I had the amazing opportunity to travel all over the place to look at airports all over the world. Oh, my gosh. And um, what I would say is probably um, not in any order, given order, but I, I fell in love with Brussels. 
Um, I love Munich. I love um, Singapore. They're not the traditional cities that everybody would go to, but I think those are some of my top three. Well, you know, and when we travel to cities, they're what I call the typical tourist cities, and then mm-hmm. they're just places you sometimes have a chance to visit mm-hmm. that really resonate with you. So I think about some of my favorite cities, and the um, the Seattle Metro Chamber did an international leadership mission to Dublin last this year. And I told my husband it was just an amazing trip, and we need to go back and visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a chance to go to Seoul, mm-hmm. and aside from their outstanding airport, it's just an amazing, vibrant, cosmopolitan city. Mm-hmm. And then I think back about my experience as an exchange student a long time ago, by the way, and I just love London. Ah. So there's just something very special about London. So those are what I would say my favorite international cities to visit. And then, of course, domestically, I love me some metropolitan Seattle and New York City in Atlanta. Okay. So if we're going to go um, nationwide, I would have to go with hands down New York. Yep. I love Charleston. Yeah, Charleston is great. I agree. Okay. And I love Chicago. Yeah. Chicago Chicago is one of those cities where, you know, it's, it's a big city, but there's something about the scale mm-hmm. that is just very comfortable and easy to manage. No matter where you go, you feel like you're always at home. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a bit about some of the things that are important for you individually as a leader. So when we think about leadership, can you talk about a characteristic of yours that you like to lean into that starts with the first letter of your name, S, as in Shanta? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Maybe savvy. Okay. I, I, I spend a lot of time, I find the more and more I move in my career mentoring, and, and really talking to younger people or um, individuals that are my same age in terms of how do you um, onboard, how do you move forward, how do you have tough conversations. And mm-hmm. I think all of that really boils down to is, is, is really taking the time to be a little bit silent and, and figure out how to be savvy. Yep. And, um, and I think that behind savviness is grit, mm-hmm. is perseverance. And you've talked about grit patience. a few times. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And, and grit is about not giving up, understanding that things get messy, but you just keep pushing through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my name, Marilyn, starting with an M, I say moxie. Oh. And it's not one of those things that comes easily, but I think as you become more confident in your career and you've done some things, you have confidence. And yeah. I, I equate that with moxie, just you know, have, having the nerve to try some things. I think that's really true. I think um, savviness and moxiness are actually excellent traits that all people should, have, all women should actually embrace. Right. And we're not necessarily encouraged to have moxie. Mm-mm. So what would be something that people would be surprised to learn about you? A leader in aviation, a community leader, a mother. What would surprise folks about you? I, I think folks would probably be surprised to know that um, I took a little bit of a stint of a break in my career and I was actually an actor. And I'm a retired member of the Screen Actors Guild. You have a SAG card. I do. Oh my gosh, that's I amazing! <laughs> and I, and I got my I got my SAG card um, on stage with uh, James Earl Jones. That's when I was tapped heart lead. I was doing a television show here in Seattle, and the day I got my SAG card, I got the required hours, and I was doing a scene with James Earl Jones, which was pretty amazing and memorable. But yeah, I did acting probably for about five years, and I've done multiple um, nationwide commercials. I've done maybe 14, uh-huh. and um, three pilots, and um, yeah. So so do we have a reel of all of Shanta Hyde's performance? First of all, was Shanta Hyde your stage name? Um, no, I just went by one name. Which was what? Shanta. 
Oh, very good. I like Cher, Madonna, <laughs> Shanta, right? Pretty much. <laughs> That's great. So I want to see a reel of your highlights one of these days. So I'm not on IMBD. I think it. I think I. I think I kind of predated that just a little just bit. A little I bit. won't tell people my age, but my mother has it all on VHS tape because she recorded she it all. My mom and my dad, they were on that button. They got it all. That is amazing. <laughs> So if there, well, now that you're talking about having a SAG card and being an actress, what is a movie that you could watch over and over? Or if you're flipping through and it's on, you will always stop and watch it no matter where it is. Dune. Really? Yeah, I know. It's the, I, I think um, David Lynch, he hates that film. I love the book. It was one of the first books that I read in my preteens because Frank Herbert was uh, grew up on Bainbridge Island, and that's where he wrote a lot of his books. Right, right. And there's and a park so, in Tacoma named after him. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so if you read the book, the book is deep on politics. Interesting. It's so many layers on politics. And I actually read that book. Um, every summer, I try to, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm just I'm fascinated by the movie. I know it's crazy. No, it's not crazy. That's so cool. Again, <laughs> showing up where people least expect to see you. <laughs> so one question I love to ask all of my guests is, you know, it's the bottom of the ninth. You're up to bat. The bases are loaded. This all depends on you winning the game. What's your walk up song that's going to motivate you and help you psych out a pitcher? Oh boy, it'd have to be Stevie Wonder, and it would probably be. Uh, uh, living for the city. I love it. It's <laughs> a great song. Yeah. Just okay. that beat yep. and that bass going well, in. Well, just the beginning of it, the keyboard. You can just hear it and you know what song it's, is about to come it's on. So in- it's such an intimidating piece of music. Yeah. And I just love Stevie Wonder because he's just so unabashedly himself. And he's just a prolific songwriter and, and musician. Brave. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Shanta, for being our guest on Under Construction. We're very <laughs> delighted to have you. And I'll ask, ask, ask you one thing, um, one final thing. Words to live by. As you're speaking to a group of young people starting their careers and you want to give them one piece of advice, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to uh, be patient. Do your research. Don't believe everything you see and be fearless. All right. Do your research, be patient, and be fearless. Not necessarily in that order, but do it. Yeah, words to live by. All right. Thank you, Shanta, for being our guest today. Thank you, Marilyn. Glad to be here. You've been listening to Under Construction with Marilyn Strickland. Thanks for listening in, and we hope you return. Special thank you to our producers, Alicia Teal and Maggie Wilson of the Seattle Metro Chamber and our engineers at Cloud Studios here in Seattle. And thank you to our sponsor, Alaska Airlines. To learn more about the podcast, visit seattlechamber.com slash underconstruction. And stay in touch. Follow the Seattle Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Seattle Chamber. <laughs>